welcome to this episode of the Minnesota Left-Handers podcast. There are a few things I'd like to chat about today. The SGL seems to be heating up and increasingly controversial. The greatest meeting of land and sea happened this past weekend at Pebble Beach Golf Course, and I have a few thoughts on that. Uh, For one, Minnesota golf was on display, and it was pretty cool to see. The Waste Management Phoenix Open is this week, and Daniel Rappaport, at Daniel Daniel underscore Rappaport on Twitter, he kicks ass. We'll talk about why. First things first, the SGL. What the hell is this thing actually called? And does that need to be figured out before this thing can actually gain any traction? Over on Instagram, I posted an image from Golf Digest relaying that Bryson DeChambeau was offered $135 million to join the Saudi Golf League, and Tiger's career on-course earnings were $121 million. This is staggering in and of itself, considering what Tiger was, what his earnings were, how, the longevity of his career, and in one fell swoop, Bryson can, can earn $135 million. Um, I'll address more about that in, in just a moment. But I also posted an intriguing and controversial quote from Lee Westwood in reference to the Super Golf League. So what are we supposed to call this thing, and does it even matter? For me, I do think it matters, and here's why. The PGA's tour is so ingrained in what we do and how we think about golf that any other tours need to be airtight and interesting from the word go. There can be no confusion about what that tour is, and it needs to be easily explained especially since it's new, how it could pull some of these guys away, what that would mean for official world golf rankings, what that would mean for the events they played, how, how that would all marry to create you know, an understanding of who's the best player. So far, we're not there. From its title to Live Golf Investment's role, this thing is not, it's not clear. It's just not there yet. Greg Norman has a long way to go. Um, but he does seem to be garnering some, some big names. Uh, Lee Westwood, like I said, he, he actually signed an NDA, a non-disclosure agreement um, with, with Saudi Golf. And um, here's that quote now. So a reporter asked, what do you think of the proposed format of the Super League, the team aspect of it? It's a little bit different from the 72-hole stroke play norm. And his reply was, I don't know whether I want to answer questions on that. I've signed an NDA. I think golf has got to move with the times and become more heat of the moment, volatile, and impactful right from the word go. Certainly, if you do it like the team aspect, there's more action happening in different places. Later, he said, When I'm at home, I watch a lot of sport, but not a lot of that sport is golf because it seems to me that it's just 72 hole stroke play week in and week out. And when I'm playing it, I've had enough of it by then. The weeks and days that I watch, that I would watch, I would turn on the Ryder Cup if I wasn't in it. I would turn on, I would turn on for the match play. I think the first day at the Dell match play, when you've got 32 matches going on, is one of the most exciting viewing days all year, all year really. Now the other event that I brought up was was the Bryson DeChambeau one. Uh, there are many reports that this happened, but Bryson did respond in the comments to a breezy golf. Uh, on Instagram at Breezy Golf Post, that they they claimed that he was offered this money, uh, and and he simply said wrong. Just a comment. Um, this could mean very little, or it could be a diversion, or it could mean a lot. Social media is a fickle business, and we don't know exactly where he lands on this or what uh, to think about that because he could be playing us too. We'll, we'll see. 
The concern, however, big picture here, is that this money is out there, the $135 million. And what will that mean for the tour, for pro golf at large? Will it dilute talent? Will it make it stronger? We, we don't know. Uh, but consider the most talented amateurs. Their traditional path has been something like Q School or the Corn Ferry Tour and then battling it out on the PGA Tour to make a name for yourself and a living. But if I'm some 22-year-old amateur with, with name recognition you know, at that level and, and a lot of potential and the SGL wants to guarantee me buttloads of cash... The, t- the temptation is there to take it. Um, you know, I don't, I don't have to worry about that aspect of this at all. After some time, and if some of these choices by amateurs and or pros, if they're willing to make that change, the PGA Tour will be a shell of its former self. But this brings me back to the million-dollar question. Do we care? Does the Tour deserve some sort of monopoly just because of tr- uh, tradition and longevity? Do they deserve a monopoly on on golf and golfers, um, I'm going to go on the record and say no. The competition is stale, and every attempt to keep the players or, or garner interest, I'm thinking PIP here, the, the player impact program, is just weak. Heck, I think this week, at, uh, this past week at Pebble Beach, the tour shut down Monday Q Info uh, at a case of the Golf One on Twitter, who is doing more for the game than just about anybody, because they want to keep their content in-house. I know that they're doing their Netflix thing, um, and, and maybe they, they want to try to keep some of that stuff for itself. But seriously, between Monday Q Info and the various podcasts, which I've talked about in previous episodes, I, that's where the interest is here. I don't Honestly, I don't turn on the Golf Channel much. Um, I get all my, my golf information from No Laying Up, from Subpar, from Shotgun Start, um, from Monday Q Info, you know, like these are where they're telling the stories. They're doing the interesting stuff. Shutting that down is not doing anything to help the game of golf. Uh, the PGA Tour, their methods aren't working. And maybe a little competition from other leagues would be a good thing. I mean, quite seriously, how does Max Homa, uh, Joel Damon, Harry Higgs, how do these guys not get more run in the, in the pip? Phil? I mean, the guy's fun, and he's done some entertaining things on social media, you know, some videos with some short game work, some, you know, pre-tournament funny stuff that he's done. But he won one tournament last year. Granted, it was a big one. It was a PGA Championship. But the rest of his finishes were just weak. I mean, he did not have a great season. He he struck lightning in a bottle for sure, and it's going to keep him around, and I get that, and whatever. But honestly, I don't think what he did is enough to garner a first place finish in the pip i mean the the metrics and the algorithms say that it is but i just i i'm not on board with how that's working also for a guy steeped in the phoenix scottsdale and 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 even asu lore he's conspicuously missing this week especially um for an event out at tpc scottsdale waste management open that has the strongest field that it's had in years phil can't go I mean, come on. So the waste management, like I just said, is this upcoming week here. You're, you're hearing this early on in that tournament. Um, but Pebble Beach was, was last week. The Pebble Beach Pro-Am was last week. And Minnesota Golf was on full display. Tom Hoagie, well, he is a North Dakotan. He's deep in the Minnesota golf scene. Um, he's, he's won a lot of events. He was, he was a part of the Minnesota golf association. His name is all over that website and he's, he's had a lot of success in our state as well in years past. Uh, Troy Merritt, also one of us, 
grew up in Spring Lake Park. I uh, went to Winona State for a while, left to go to Boise, and to be honest, I don't know where he makes his home now, but um, you know, spent most of his formative years here in Minnesota, and so it's great to see guys like that making a name for themselves. He's got a few wins around, I think three, four, five, um, and it's great to see him on leaderboards whenever possible. For Hoagie, it's his first win, and it was a long time coming. He's a good player who's been on the first page of many leaderboards, and this win is well-deserved. So again, this week, the Waste Management Phoenix Open, where you got the 16th hole, the par 3, that looks more like Happy Gilmore than it does uh, your traditional PJ Tour event. Um, it's, it's, it's essentially the biggest party on tour. The field is the strongest it's been in years, and lots of Phoenix guys are in the field. I'm more excited for it, honestly, than I am for the Super Bowl. Check my Twitter and my Instagram for updates throughout the weekend. I'm, I'm pulling for, for one of those guys, whether it's Joel or Max. I don't, I don't know, but I'm pulling for a, a Phoenix guy to, to win this one. Lastly, I, I introduced at the, at the beginning of this episode Daniel Rappaport. He seems like a fresh face in the golf writing scene. I guess I'm, maybe I missed him, but I don't know. I just found him, uh, but I've started following him on Twitter, and I found this article, and... Honestly, I'm so glad I did. It's about Morgan Hoffman, a guy who's, who's 32. Um, he's, he was about to be a big name on tour, and then um, he got muscular dystrophy. This is the best piece of writing that I've read in a very long time, um, golf or otherwise, and it's, it's just awesome. I'll provide the link at the end. I'm going to read a couple snippets here. Um, but it's definitely something that you should go read as soon as you can. Um, what happened, quick recap here, Morgan, Morgan Hoffman, he came out of OSU, he played on Ricky Fowler's team, you know, so I mean, he's a good player, the, the, the school kicks out a lot of pros, um, but he ended up with muscular dystrophy, and he was unable to compete at the level, obviously, that he wanted as his muscles deteriorated, um, and he had to step away from the game. He went to Costa Rica in search of alternative medicine. He, Western medicine just was at a loss, essentially. He went all over the country looking for treatments, and they, they, didn't, they couldn't help him. So he ended up dropping the game, sort of. Um, Rappaport gets into that. And in search of, of finding a way to figure this out, um, Rappaport went down and, and stayed with him. And, and and wrote about that experience. Here's a snippet that I think exemplifies that writing style and that storytelling that I that I appreciate so much. Uh, begins with Chelsea. Chelsea is Morgan Hoffman's wife. Chelsea's not feeling well, so Hoffman grabs a machete, chops down a coconut from a tree in the entryway, hacks it open, and heads upstairs to deliver the sweet water. He comes back with the goods, a jar of cocoa leaves that I help myself to. I grab a pinch, put it under my bottom lip. Old habits die hard. And after two minutes, I'm buzzing. I'm eager to head to the site where Hoffman hopes to build the centerpiece of his foundation, a wellness retreat for anyone on a healing journey. He beams as he lays out his vision from the driver's seat of his Land Rover Defender, which dutifully navigates each bump on the 35-mile climb. The beastly SUV is splattered with dirt, its lower half resembling a monochromatic pollock. The windows are open, sun shining, 80 degrees, and Bob Marley is on the speakers. Life is good. I could heal here. He goes on to write, um, as the story moves on to, to more of a golf focus, Morgan's ramping up his physical regime regimen because he has three starts left on a medical exemption, which the PGA Tour graciously extended, but must be used in 2022. 
He's technically not allowed to receive additional time for the same injury, the first with the atrophy in his chest, but the tour agreed to treat the atrophy in his quad as a separate issue. As we head from the house toward a trail that leads to a waterfall, golf finally comes up. He has started practicing again, though it's far from a prime Tiger-level schedule. The nearest practice range and golf course, Hacienda Panela Golf Club, is roughly 90 minutes away. He has made the trek a few times, but not often enough to justify the $400 monthly membership. He's content to pay $60 a round, bring what must be the only track man in Costa Rica onto the course, and practice by himself. He says he has picked up a significant swing speed and distance since his slowest and shortest. There are no witnesses, though. Whereas he once practiced with Thomas, Daniel Berger, and Ricky Fowler, it's now a solitary pursuit. We start talking about speed numbers, spin rates, and stingers. His eyes light up. I haven't talked about golf like that in so long. It's weird. It was never that I didn't have the skills, Hoffman continues. It was all mental. I was just very hard on myself, a perfectionist. So now, after all the work that I've been doing on myself, it's so different. I can't wait to play again and just see how it, how it is. I'm a completely different person. For Hoffman, returning to the PGA Tour means re-entering the lifestyle of professional golf that he finds so deeply vapid. It means leaving Nosara, where, between the urine and the breathe work and the yoga, he managed to stumble on something that no FedEx Cup bonus can buy. Purpose. It's the reason he's as happy as he's ever been. Read this article, and read this article as fast as you can. The link is provided below. And on that note, I'll wrap up this episode of the Minnesota Left-Handers podcast. Happy Waste Management Week, and follow me at Minnesota Left-Handers across many of your social channels. Thanks for listening, and check back soon for more episodes.